With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, Knight fans? Sons of UCF is proudly presented by the law firm of Gordon & Partners. Since 1993, Gordon & Partners have been dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who have been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice from somebody you trust, so contact UCF alum Michael Hoffman directly if you have any legal needs or questions. Visit their website, fortheinjured.com, or text 407-913-5350 to talk to Michael directly. Don't just trust anybody. Trust the best. And trust the night. Gordon and Partners, for the injured. This is the Sons of UCF, the number one place for UCF sports, with your distinguished host, Adam. Let's all get together and see who can solve the wordle the fastest. And Mike. You know, last year, I think I said about 30 people in the UCF, Sons of UCF group. Let's try to double that. Let's try to get 50. Now, here are the guys. Greetings, one and all. Welcome into Sons of UCF, episode number 217. We are brought to you by Gordon Partners. We are part of the 1012 uh, network of shows, the sports drink family of podcasts. My name is Adam, and as always, my friend and yours, Mr. UCF Mike, has returned for another week. What's going on, Mike? What's going on, man? Um, yeah, it's another week. Another week in the offseason for football, but... Still a lot of activity going on with the other sports. Basketball winding down, now heading into the postseason. Baseball's cranking up. So we still got some things to talk about here. Yeah, we'll get you through the show here tonight. Uh, we got, uh, we'll got we do some baseball, basketball talk here. We have a really fun interview uh, with uh, Landon Woodson that you'll hear in the middle part of the show. And then we're trying something new around here. So we're separating our show into two parts. First part's the serious part where you get to hear more about news, interviews. The second half is the shenanigans part of the show, right? That's where you may have some random top five lists. You may have to hear about, you know, where Mike went this weekend. And if he fell off a canoe of any kind, you may have to hear about our cow of the week and whatever the hell that takes us to. So two parts of the show, you know, the, the serious part, and I, serious, I put in air quotes. I don't think we're very serious. And the second part is the, the sons of UCF shenanigans. So stick around for both Mike in the serious part of the show. You reference it. Let's start off with basketball. So we now know the conference tournament seedings. We know the schedule uh, based on our, uh, our our record, Mike. We have now landed in the uh, what the seven seed spot, and we're going to start off Thursday two thirty against SMU. So, what give it? Give me your thoughts here, because if you look at the way the bracket sets up, it's kind of not terrible, right? We get SMU. If we beat them, we have a chance at Memphis <clears throat> now. If we beat F- SMU, is a big thing, right? Because I don't know what team's going up. Then we have Memphis, potentially, where we basically were in both those games. 
And then we have Tulane, who we only played one time on the road in kind of a random game, Mike. I hate to say, I hate to be the optimistic guy because I've seen the rest of the season so far. This bracket sets up pretty nice, though, no? <laughs> sure. Does. I mean, if you want to be optimistic, okay, I guess. Okay. But, I mean, what are we asking here? we got to win four games in four days, right? Yep. We, the longest winning streak of the season was five. And that included games against Stetson. No, not even. That wasn't there. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. That was a, <laughs> earlier than that. Western Illinois, a, a bad Florida, Florida State, State team. Oklahoma State, uh, Oklahoma Santa, State Clara, was okay. Santa Clara, yeah. Evansville. Those are the teams we beat for that five-game winning streak. We haven't won, I don't think, two games in a row or three games in a row for the rest of the year after that. So that, That's not true. We beat uh, Wichita and Tulsa back-to-back in February, Mike. Yeah, so that's two, but Boom. not three. Not three games. In we a row. won three in a row in January at East Carolina versus SMU and then home against Memphis. Boom. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> we've got to win four. Um, SMU, okay. You want to say we can beat them, but would I be surprised if we lost that game? Would I say, oh, I, I, there's no way I could see that happening? No. If we lost that game, I would say, well, there's another game we lost. Um, I ha- I'd say there's a better chance of us not making it to Saturday as there is of us making it to, I would get, I'd be less surprised if we lost on Thursday than if I I would, if we made it to Saturday, let's put it that way. SMU is not great. Mike 10 and 21, they're five and 13 in conference. We played them one time, 85 53 win uh, at home in Orlando on January 8th. So we haven't played them in a long time. And they're, they're not a great team, Mike, but where are we right now? That's the thing. What kind of team are we? Because we, we seem to be beating up on the doormats pretty nicely with East Carolina and Tulsa the last couple of weeks. But then we just lose some heartbreakers, Memphis, Cincy, the Cows, Temple. Where are we right now as a team? Do you have any idea what you're going to get when the ball tips off Thursday, 2.30, uh, UCF versus SMU? Do you have any expectation of what's going to happen? No. I, I don't know. <laughs> and. That, that, that Temple game, I know I wasn't on, on Thursday when it was happening. <laughs> you and Trace were live during the end of that live. game. Yes. How that – it's like they invent a new way to lose all the time. I've never seen something like that. That guy misses the damn free throw. Yep. And yet <laughs> – not even the shooter goes up and gets the rebound. This other guy just goes around everybody, untouched, mm-hmm. lays it right back in, and you lose. That, that was ridiculous. Just – you can't make it up. You can't make it up the way they've lost some of these games. I mean, the, the Missouri game early in the year was just a the guy's rolling on the floor, rolls the ball back to Matt half court, and they chuck it up. That, that's a miracle. It happens once. It happens to a team maybe once every five years. Sure. And we've lost games like that in different ways seven or eight times this year, <laughs> which is ridiculous. So gives me no hope going into this week. I, I, I will, I'm usually the optimistic guy. You know what I mean? I always I think. Last week, I even said, oh, there's a way if we we need this team to beat this team. But I don't see us beating Memphis. I know we played them close twice. But in both of those games, we were also down by like 18 points. And they let us creep back in. The last game, their best player was in foul trouble, fouled out early in the second half. And, you know, we were able to get back into that game. We were down 13 with probably eight minutes to go. Somehow got a shot there at the end. But I don't see it happening. I don't see us beating Memphis on I don't see it even making it that close of a game. 
Yeah, here's the thing. I have no idea what team to expect, right? I have no idea, and no idea what team's going to show up. Obviously, th- these games are being played in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, so not exactly a, a raucous home crowd for UCF. Not that it matters. We have not uh, performed well on the road. Our uh, our three point shot doesn't seem to travel as well on the road. I think that's going to be a big part of this. But I have no idea what to expect. Ethiel Hort can come out and hit eight threes like he's done. C.J. Kelly could be unstoppable driving to the hoop. You know, Taylor Hendricks could be aggressive and, and getting his own shots on rebounds. Or Darius Johnson can dribble off his foot. Jalen Young can throw the ball out of bounds. And Michael Durr can miss a four-footer. Like, I have no idea what to expect from this team. And that's the, that's the challenge week over week is, yeah, you, you have a little bit of hopium because we do something positive. You watch the game the next week, and you're like, oh, well, here we go again. And I, I have no idea what team is going to show up. I have no idea if who's going to play, what kind of consistency we're going to get. Are we going to be up for the game? Uh, you know, it, it, it's just a head-scratcher. On paper, we should be the SMU. I mean, that's just the way these things work. We're a higher seed. We have a better record, both overall and in conference. We've beaten them once before on paper. We should beat SMU. That's my expectation. But if again, to your point, if I, you know, dial up my phone at three o'clock on Thursday and look at it and say we're down twenty, I'd be like, yeah, well, makes sense. It would not be a shock to me. It would not be a surprise to me. It would not be something where I'm like, I can't believe this happened. No, I expected probably to be a close game. I mean, we have blown out some bad teams. We blew out Tulsa. We blew out East Carolina. But that, there's no guarantee that on, on a neutral court, we're going to go do that to another bad team. I could see it coming down to the end. And if it comes down to the end, if SMU can hang in there for you know the first 35 minutes, all of a sudden it comes down to the last five minutes, I have no faith that we're going to pull it out at the end. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, obviously, we seem to have invented new ways to lose games, and I don't know at some point, Mike, if that just becomes. I mean, you've played sports, you've watched sports all your life. Teams just have to find ways to learn how to win together. It just doesn't seem like we've ever figured that out in the basketball team. It seems like when that when that moment comes, I don't know if the guys are looking at the clock and looking like, oh my goodness, it's thirty seconds left. We're only up by one. We're down by one. You know, Trace asked Johnny about is it a psyche thing, and of course, you know, Johnny Dawkins says no, it's fine. You know, it's just strange things happens, but it feels like we have a mental block when it's thirty seconds or less and it's a one possession game it seems like we haven't figured out really what to do i mean i know we've pulled out some overtime games earlier in the year mike but since you know really since that memphis game it seems to be just a, a comedy of ways to lose close games yeah missouri it is what it is right a guy throws in a heave from half court you know what well, welcome to, welcome to basketball that's going to happen but it seems like we haven't found a way to win close games really since since that game i guess east carolina you want to give us that one we won by three I guess Memphis should give us that. But after that, Mike, it, it's, it just seems like it's a new comedy of errors every week. And people want to give us credit for these close losses. Oh, well, if this game, if three of these games go the other way, then our record's not looking so bad. But what about the close games that we won? You know, like you just mentioned the East Carolina. We went to overtime with Samford. You know, th- these games we could have easily lost too. And then what does our record look like? So the record is what it is. Bad teams find ways to lose. Good teams find ways to win. We're not a good team. I, I don't know why it's so hard for people to realize and say, we suck. This basketball team sucks. It's not that oh. good. We're not playing in a great conference, and, and we, we have a losing record in conference. I think a lot of people actually do agree with that, that we are not a good basketball team. I think some people would probably use the word inconsistent versus suck, but I think that you'd get more consensus that, hey, we're, we're not a strong team. Where you don't get consensus is why that is and what needs to happen about it, right? I think most people, reasonable people can say, hey, man, it's been a brack-breaking season. We've lost all these games. But where you don't get consensus is people saying what, how to fix it and what should be done. Like a story that kind of came out this week, and it was a, a kind of a, a, a mention in the last press conference with Johnny Dawkins, uh, so UCF plays um, 
at Temple. I was sorry, play at Tulsa, right? On a what was that? It was a Sunday night to play at Tulsa, right? Game in Sunday night. Their next game is Thursday at Temple. Common sense would tell you, hey, we leave Tulsa, fly back to Orlando, stay there for a couple of days, fly up to Philly on Wednesday, play Temple on Thursday. UCF did not do that. They went right from Tulsa to Temple. Many people are speculating that's a that's a cost cutting measure, although. I don't know, finding rooms and hotels for all those people. I'm not sure how that's any cheaper than getting a flight, but people are saying that's a cost-cutting measure, Mike, and that really the entirety of the program is that we just don't have enough money to compete. I know that's your favorite excuse of all time, but there's an example of it. We didn't go to we didn't go home to Orlando. We went right to right to Philly to play Temple four days later. What do you make of that at all? Is that important to you? Does that matter? Does that factor in? Is is that hogwash in UCF Mike's book? Yeah, that's the reason that we didn't box out there on the final free throw because <laughs> we were so tired from sleeping in, in Philadelphia for three nights. We weren't Philly's in our not bed. a good place to sleep. Have you been to Philly? <clears throat> no. Oh, I drove okay. past it. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's that's the best way to see Philly is driving yeah. past. Um, I think it's just another excuse. That's all it is. And yeah, okay, we don't have as much money as some of these other teams, but I don't think that's the reason we're losing these games <laughs> individually. Uh, big picture wise for the basketball program. Okay. You want to say it'd be nice to have chartered flights and it'd be nice to have this and that. And it's better for recruiting. If we, if we have a little more in the budget, fine, but it's not the reason that each one of these games is coming down to the end and why we're blowing them. Uh, we're blowing them for different reasons every night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. I'm tired of the excuses. I'm tired of people telling me that we're better than we are when it's obvious that we're not. We're just not that good. Let me ask you a question that would lead you to believe I've been drinking, although I have not actually been drinking. Let's say we get to Championship Sunday. Okay. All right. Let's say we let's say we get let's there. Say Scarlett Johansson shows up and says, "Hey, I, I was watching <laughs> you on Sunday UCF Live, man. You you look really handsome. Let's go hang out tonight." Odds are there. Let's say let's say we lose to Houston in the championship game by one crazy tip and shot. Yeah. That, so that that means we'll have had twenty wins, fourteen losses. Is there any? Do I have a better chance of having Scarlett Johansson walk in this door right now, or UCF making the NCAA tournament? Yeah, Scarjo. It's a better possibility, I think. Okay, this team's giving me no reason to believe otherwise. Sure. Yeah. I just, I, just committee wise, if we get to the get to the championship game, lose a close one to Houston, obviously we win, we're in. We know that, right? We have to. You're saying do we get in? If we lose, no. Do we get into the tournament? No way. You have to win the tournament to get in. Okay. So it's I can't even get to the finals and lose a close one to Houston. I got to win this thing. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Well, okay. You have an eight and 10 in the conference. You're in seven I'll, seed. At that point, I'll be 11 and 10 because I've I won three two, games. Tulane has a better chance of getting in over you. Well, we would have beaten Tulane in this configuration. Yeah. But I say, okay. I just want to yeah, make sure. You're Memphis too. And Memphis we'll is see where we're at. I didn't know what we had to root for. I know when I when I think bracketology, I go to UCF Mike. Just didn't know where we were at if we if we had uh, – we Where's were on the, the next round line. I don't know who Ken Palm is. I'm a Joe Lenardi guy. <laughs> I've always been a Joe Lenardi guy. He's like the only confirmed bracketologist in the country, I think. You would need, I guess, no other upsets in any of the other conferences, right? Because that's what throws things off, too. Teams yeah. that are supposed to get in, and then somebody upsets them, and then somebody else gets an at-large, takes away at-larges for you. You'd have to have zero upsets in any other conference. Yep. And... You have to have some team get disqualified for some odd reason, <laughs> kick them out. Okay. Uh, it's just not happening. I don't think okay. NIT is happening. If you get to the championship no. game, do you even get into the NIT tournament? Mm. 
So you're telling me I should just say hi to Scarlett Johansson uh, as she walks in the door. I'm like, <laughs> what we did find out on Sunday, Sunday was senior night with a K, of course. Uh, and we know who walked on senior night. So presumably, you now know who potentially could come back to UCF for another year. CJ Kelly walked, Michael Durr walked, Ty Freeman walked, and Brandon Suggs walked. Ithiel Horton did not. He obviously was one who had an option as well. Um, so now you kind of know who, who is and who isn't coming back, if that means anything to you. Horton's probably the best shooter of that bunch, but CJ Kelly's playmaking, I think, is important, Mike. Um, but home game, obviously, uh, on Sunday. Is that the last time we saw Taylor, uh, Taylor Hendricks playing a home game for UCF? I hope not, but if the yeah. – I mean, But you think so. <laughs> if he's going to be drafted in the top, what, 20 – of the NBA draft. That's where a lot of projections are top 20. I've seen one and like, he's in like the 23, 24 range, but essentially let's call it top 25. Uh, why would he come back? I mean, he's risking injury. He's risking his stock getting lower. I mean, he, I guess he could move up a little bit if he thinks he can come back and become a top five pick by proving himself in the big 12, maybe, but does he have the cast around him to help him do that? I mean, he's going to go into the Big 12 and be the best player. Everybody's going to have a target on him. They're going to try to shut him down. He may not look as good next year against that competition. So if he has a chance to go to the NBA now, I think he goes. And that'll be it. Yeah, this is one of those where, like, my uh, my heart is like, man, Taylor, you got to stay. You got to stay. You got My head is like, this kid needs to go now if he, if he has a chance, right? Uh, I mean, you're, you're once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He's got good film out there now. He's got good tape. Um, a lot of teams seem like they're high on him now. We'll see what he grades out at and where he's at. Two factors to think about. Obviously, one, um, his brother, um, Tyler, is on the team. The redshirt this year did not play. Does he want to play a year with his brother? You never know. Two, could we find a way NIL-wise? I don't think there's any NIL action on basketball. I don't think there's anything. I don't think the kingdom is, is, is dialing up basketball players. Could that be an option? I have no idea. Either way, it's not going to offset the money he's going to make in the NBA, Mike. So my heart says, please, Taylor, stay. Let's put this thing back together. Let's try one year in the Big 12. Let's, let's develop your game, play with your brother, have a good time. My head says, I wonder who we're going to get next year to replace. Yeah, and I'm having this discussion with our buddy Dolly Drama. What is better for the program? He's trying to tell me that Taylor Hendricks being drafted and going into the NBA would be – Better for the, the program of UCF to show, hey, you can come to UCF and go and make it to the NBA and be a star. Then UCF going on a run in March Madness and, you know, maybe winning a couple games, going to a Sweet 16. What does more for your program? A, a run in March Madness or having one of your players go to the NBA? Uh, program? I got to, th- I would probably decide more towards making the run in the tournament, Mike, um, because you're going to get more exposure. You, you may get some, some, some other kids to, to come to UCF just based on that alone. There's probably some revenue involved in that. Um, so I would probably lean making a run. I can see the argument for saying a player, because if you're a kid right now, who's like, Hey, I want to go play someplace. I live in Orlando and I want to, I want to stay close to home, but I can't go to UCF. I won't get drafted out of there. Maybe that kid can then go, Hey, you know, guess what? Let's, let's do that. But here's what's also going to happen. Florida's going to call that kid off from 50 K and he's going to go to there. Right. Or he's going to find a way to get NIL to someplace else. So that's where I think, well, certainly one player can make a difference and this certainly helps. I don't, I think making a, a tournament run of some sort would have greater long-term value for UCF. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking casual basketball fan like me. I haven't really followed the NBA very closely at all. Name a famous NBA player. And I bet you, I cannot tell you where he went to college. And if I can't, John Morant, was he straight out of high school? No. 
<laughs> Syracuse? Murray State. No. Okay, see? Exactly my point. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> the, the, the couple that I can na- name, like Steph Curry, I remember him because of his what he did in the tournament at Davidson. Right, and, and that's what people good. remember is the the runs, the magical runs in March Madness. George Mason, the the, the run they went on. Um, even Florida Gulf Coast, you know, the Dunk City, that team. People, I saw this week you're a big. Dunk, I saw this week you're a big Dunk City fan. <laughs> <laughs> I, saw, I saw that on Twitter. Sister Jean and Loyola. People remember those teams that go on these runs, and that's what people like. I can't tell you where. Um, I don't know. The Greek freak, did he even go to college or he came over from Greece? I have no idea. Greece. All right. But there's like a handful of guys I know where they went to college, and that's it. So to me, that doesn't really make a big difference. Taylor Hendricks go to the NBA and become a big star, and 10 years from now, people still won't know where he went to college. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I certainly, I think, you know, once you get to the NBA, it's kind of all because a lot of guys are, are, you know, one and duds anyway. So I, 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 I can see Dolly's point and I can see why being able to walk around the facility and show a kid, hey, you see this guy right here? He was playing here last year and he's in the league now. That's probably going to help you with recruiting. But I think there's so many other factors that kind of work against you in recruiting. If you go to the tournament, like there's you can't take that away from us. You know what I mean? Like you can't you can't argue that they can't erase that unless we break some sort of NCAA rule. But you can say, hey, yeah, sure. UCF had a guy, but hey, we had these 10 guys. And hey, yeah, UCF's great, but we can pay you X. Like there's other factors that will work against us having a one a one time go to the NBA player. You can't take away our, our our run to a sweet 16. Right. Which will never happen, by the way. But you can't take away our run to a sweet 16. We were that close. We were very close to a Sweet 16, and that would have been everything. That that would have bought Johnny an extra three years in my book, but we lost yeah. that game. That tip didn't go in, and here we are. <laughs> well, let me ask you this question, Mike. Who, who is the most famous UCF basketball player of all time? Um, outside well, Taco Fall. Probably. Yeah, and, why is, and why is Taco <laughs> Fall famous? Because of what he did in the tournament, that's what. Because he's tall. Yeah, <laughs> that's really that's... the only reason that he's famous. Because he's the he's a giant human being, and people are like, oh my goodness, look at this giant human being, and he's have to jump to dunk. Right. That's that's really the first thing when you think like if you did word association, if you walked right right now and combed the streets of, of Fort Lauderdale Beach, probably don't do that right now because it's it's night. But on Saturday, if you walk to Fort Lauderdale Beach and say Taco Fall, what comes to your mind? Everyone's gonna say tall, right? Yeah. No one's gonna say UCF. No one's gonna. I mean, like that's that's just how that's gonna work, right? And so. I, I see Dolly's point, but I think there's other factors that can work against us and having these guys that are that are really good in the NBA where you can't take away our, our championship runs or our tournament runs or whatever that case may be. But also nationally, how many people knew who Taco was until that March when we went in the tournament and we won a game and then we played and he had the game against Duke. Like exactly. if UCF hadn't made the tournament that year, all, of course, we would all know who Taco Fall is, but – would somebody in Wyoming or, you know, Madison, Wisconsin know who the hell Taco Fall was? Probably not. He'd just be some giant guy that's playing in the Chinese League or wherever he is right now. <laughs> Wyoming was an interesting choice. I don't know if anybody in Wyoming <laughs> would uh, would know that, Mike. But I have a top five for you, Mike. I have a top five list. Top five wins this season for UCF basketball, Mike. Are you ready for my top five UCF basketball wins in 2022? Sure. Like Number five. Know. November 11th, 68-45 win over Florida State. At the time, it's a big win. Darren Green revenge game. It turns out that Florida State is booty, and uh, that win does not help us. But that was a, a big win at the time, Mike. So I'm going to go number five, the win over Florida State. 
at the time. Yeah, it was our first win of the season, right? Because we had it was the second game, I think, overall. It we was lost, second one. Uh, yep. UNC Asheville, who I have to take back, made the tournament. Yeah, they are a tournament team. I was proven wrong uh, in that dog shit conference that they played. (laughs) Drew Pember, remember the name. Number four, Mike, February 8th, a 72-67 win at Wichita State. We have a hard time winning there, Mike. Maybe the last time we went to Kansas for a long, long time. Yeah, it was hard to get a win in Wichita. I think it was two years in a row now we've won over there. So, okay, it's an okay win. But where? what seed are they in the tournament? They are, um, blah, blah, blah. they are six seed. So they're they're the six seed. They're playing the six eleven game. They're playing uh, Tulsa for the right to play Tulane. Would you rather be in that? <laughs> side? Impressed. Would you rather be? Yes, playing yeah, yes. I would have rather play then, Tulsa again. Yes, and then to play Tulane instead of Memphis. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I would have taken that all day, every day. Yeah. So and even when we lose, we can't lose well enough. Look at that, Mike. Yeah. So what was the? What's the difference between us being the seven as opposed to the six? Was it that that game in Temple that we blew just last week? Would we have moved up over them? Uh, it's part of, yes. I mean, any pick any one of these games, Mike. <laughs> pick the one point loss at Memphis. Pick the two point loss at uh, at home to Cincy. Uh, pick the two point loss at Temple. It's any one of those games, and 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 maybe we we have a a leg up on Wichita. We have a much way, better defense. The number four uh, win of the uh, season, Mike. Number three, you may have forgotten this one. This was a long time ago. November 20th, a 57-50 win against Santa Clara to win the Bahamas tournament at uh, the Baja Mar Convention Center. Mike, Santa Clara, we won a tournament. We won a chip. Being Santa Clara. <laughs> that, that tournament was played in like a cafeteria somewhere. The, the roof was about three feet higher than the rim. Yeah. So I, I don't know what the hell that was. Okay, sure. not impressed. Here we go. Uh, our number, my number two win on the season, November eighteenth, a sixty fifty six overtime win, also in the Bahamas versus Oklahoma State, a future Big Twelve opponent. Mike, we beat Oklahoma State sixty to fifty six. What was the date of that Wichita game again? Uh, the one that we won that was uh, late in the year, February eighth. Okay, because the other three so far in the top five, three of the top four mm-hmm. are in November. Where? Yeah. <laughs> and what matters now is February and March. So four months ago, we had our best wins of the season. Okay. I know what number one is, obviously. And by the way, uh, Oklahoma State, I didn't know how good they were. 17 and 14 overall, uh, 8 and 10 in conference. So, mm-hmm. And Mike, the number one win, obviously, the double overtime thriller, January 11th, 107-104 versus Memphis at home. The number one win for UCF basketball in 2022-2023. Yeah, I mean, that was a good win. And after that game, I thought, okay, this team maybe has figured things out. You know, they had lost a tough game at Houston where they looked like a competent basketball team still. It was still early in conference play. We had we were in control after that Memphis game. We could have been a top two or three seed. And then it was all downhill after that. I was going to give this to you as a homework assignment, but I figured you just made no off the top of your head. Top five losses of the year. You don't have to give me all five. What's the worst <laughs> loss, Mike? What's the wor- what's the one loss this season that you just it, that's it for you? That's the worst of worst. That's that's the one. The one that put me over the top and said, "This is it. It's got to be done." Is the second loss at home to the cows. To the cows, yeah. I mean, losing to them once, which we did last year, they kicked their ass in Tampa. Happened again earlier this year, but then to lose to them at home the way we did 
was not acceptable. They kicked the crap out of us. They out-rebounded us. They out-hustled us. You know, it was a chippy game, and they looked like they wanted it more than us. It, it was just bad. So that one, to me, was the final straw that, or the straw that broke the camel's back. All the, Whatever saying you want to want say. That no was it for me, and that was it. I was done. I washed my hands of the season from that night, and you know, I have no faith in the team anymore. And, I mean, I – Dude, I would love for them to prove me wrong. Go win four games here, make the tournament, and then guess what? Next week, I'm glued to the TV. On you know, hopefully we're playing Thursday afternoon, Thursday night, whatever it is, Friday night, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be all jacked up. But it's just not going to happen. I would love for it to happen. It's not going to happen. How did the straw get so much power? It, it can it stirs the drink. It breaks the camel's back. How did the straw become the thing that we 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 associate with finality and power? Uh, well, I think there's different straws we're talking about. A straw of hay is what broke okay. the camel's back, but a straw that stirs the drink is, you know, is a different type of straw. Well, but then there's the final straw. Is that which one is that? <laughs> and the shortest straw. It's the short yeah. straw. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the straw that stirs the drink. That's Reggie Jackson. Well, that I know, but who in the final straw? Who's that? Is that? That's that's also going to be like like hay straw, or that's that's drink straw. That's the uh, oh the final straw. I'm not sure. I I think the final straw is the one that broke the camel's back. That's why it's the final. Ooh, so it's the same straw. It's the last <laughs> one. Then it breaks the camel's back. Wow. Uh, and the straw. shortest straw is the one that starts to drink. Gotcha. Okay. Right. They hand you those little skinny ones that at the uh, at the bar. I'm familiar with those. Yeah. Yeah. You don't drink out of those, right? That's just a that's a stirring thing, though. No. Yeah. You drink out of that. Uh, no, yeah. I don't drink out of it. people. I've seen people drink out. I've of seen it. people do it too. Yes, and I always think it's funny. <laughs> No, they're really trying that small straw well yeah. the, the straw fell on the on the back of the baseball team this weekend mike because we start off first off georgia southern comes to town friday night mike a great game Plumley gets on second um which starts a nice little rally Joston hits a bomb over the fence six four win we are riding high mike obviously we swept clemson we beat bethune pretty easily six four win friday night i know you were glued to your tv on that one mike on the on the uh really fun game like Plumley played well and and uh, made the big play when it needed, and then obviously Justin knocks it in with a home run, walks it off. UCF's looking pretty after Friday night, Mike. Yeah, I mean, up to that point, you're right. But you know, tough game. It wasn't like we we were just pummeling these guys. It, it did take a ninth inning comeback, which was yep. a sign of things to come. Sure was, Mike. Saturday loss, nineteen to seven. Sunday loss, eleven to eight. That Sunday game, uh, yeah, that Saturday game scars featured a little eleven run first inning. Or UCF was on eleven nothing by the time they took their first step out. They'd score a run though, so they chipped it away to ten. But uh, that one was just a uh, ugly one from beginning. Ben Vespi on the mound, and uh, things did not go his well his way. Mike Sunday more of the same for the Knights. They uh, they fall behind early, and uh, they're not able to to get out of the hole. Cam Leiter uh, takes the loss there, and he did not look fantastic, Mike. So just when we thought we were an okay baseball team. Bats are hot. Pitching was doing okay. Now all of a sudden things have kind of crashed down to earth just a little bit and pitching staff becomes more and more of a concern. Oof. Ben Vespi is supposed to be our best pitcher. Doesn't record an out. He has an ERA of infinity right now to start <laughs> the year. <laughs> so that's not good in case you're wondering. Um, but it, these things happen and these things happen. Baseball is a long season. You're going to lose a game or two here. You're going to lose a series every once in a while. You don't like the way the team played, though. I mean, to go down 11 nothing in the first inning, obviously, is no good. 
to give up as many runs as we did. We could have easily been swept in this series. Like I said, I mean, if mm-hmm. only doesn't, you know, hustle out that double in the ninth inning, and if Justin doesn't hit that homer, we could be looking at a sweep here to uh, Georgia Southern. So, which is not a bad baseball team either. I mean, Georgia Southern is a respectable team. Um, but they got to get it straightened out. You know, we got a long ways to go now before conference play. You got a couple big games. You got to have a two game series with FSU coming up soon. Uh, you're going to have a revenge game down here in Boca that, you know, you can make up for that loss earlier in the year. So they got time to f- get things figured out and get the rotation in order before conference play. Give me your level of concern here, Mike, on a scale of one to five, five being the most concerned. Where are you at right now with the baseball team? Nah, I give it a two. I'm not really that concerned. Unless okay. the pitching continues, it's down downward trajectory here. I, you know, they get that thing straightened out. I think it'll be okay. Uh, the bats still put some runs up. It's not like they got shut out in any of these games. We didn't get no hit or anything. You know, we put a few runs up each night. So I think we'll be all right. I'm not really that worried yet. If this thing continues, we lose to a couple more bad teams, then maybe I'll think about it. Eight and three right now. We have a, a Tuesday night midweek game with North Florida, and then we welcome Troy uh, to town, Mike. So they, Troy will be there. Uh, the pitching staff, though, to your point, has got to get figured out. I know after the game, our, our good buddy Leo was on the field talking to, to Coach Lovelady. Basically said he's going to go back, Lovelady that is, go back to the drawing board and kind of figure out what to do with his starting rotation. Um, Dom Stagliano got removed from the weekend rotation. Uh, Rudy Gomez has been a little bit up and down. He's got a 4-6 ERA. Um, you know, so I think you got to figure out what Cam Leiter's ERA is now over 10. Um, you said Ben Vespi's ERA doesn't even fit in the little box here where they do stats. So um, according to Lovelady, he's going to go back to the drawing board and kind of retool his pitching rotation for the weekend, Mike. Um, let's see if that leads to anything. But, uh, I mean, who, who's coming in there? You got yeah, Marlowe, you got Chase Lentella. Like, who, who's coming in? Kyle Kramer. Who, who are you going to give the ball to if it's not those guys? I don't know. That's why Lovelady gets the big bucks. Now, is Vespi fully healthy? That, that's the question that first comes to my mind. You, you can't get it out in the first inning of a game. What's going on there? Did we rush him back? Because that would be no good. If I hear three days from now, you know, he can't make a start this weekend because, you know, he, he re-injured something, then there's an issue. Then, then it's just like last year. It's just like the other years. Injuries start piling up. That can happen. But if he comes back and bounces back this weekend, has a nice outing, you know, I think we can get things rolling again. What do you make of the, the new trend? Everyone says that UCF's a little bit mouthy, a little bit arrogant. There was a post on social media after the Georgia Southern game saying that uh, UCF people were throwing beer on the field and they were running around yelling and screaming and they were shirtless, which, by the way, Tom Joseph's shirt was ripped off for a period of time. So that's actually factual. Um, but we're getting a little bit of a reputation, Mike. Do you, do you like this? I know uh, baseball can sometimes be a bit of a purist sport and people want, you know, want to be played in a church at times. Do you like the new mouthy um, renegade style UCA baseball team. If you can back it up, if you can back it up and you can talk, then go ahead. I, it wasn't ever my style as a player, but I did say I liked it last week against Clemson. I liked that we ran down there a little silly hill there and pissed everybody off. Um, if you can go out there and beat teams, say whatever you want, you know, until they stop you. Like we can't say anything to Georgia Southern now. <laughs> they shut us up. We, we beat them on Friday night. We ran our mouths, and then they answered right back the way they should. And that's what you do to a team that, that runs their mouth. You just go take care of business the next couple of days. Give Georgia Southern credit. They shut us up for the weekend. We can't say anything else to them. Um, the throwing the beer stuff, is that legit? Is that a real thing? I know there was a mom that was complaining about it, but 
I think we would have seen videos of I all the people out there with cameras, Brandon yeah. and Leo, and all, we wouldn't get any footage of that. I think what if, if I understand that story correctly, after the home run that Jostin hit, the fans were celebrating and they were throwing their beer cans. In. So it wasn't at the players, wasn't like actively during the game. It was literally after the home run. It was one of those deals where people in the left field and right field just started throwing things in the air. So perhaps some of those landed onto the field is kind of what I led it to believe. But it wasn't like, hey, left fielder, duck. And we were chucking like Bud Lights at the dude. I think it was a celebration after the home run that, that led to any potential beer, cans, bottles, whatever, thrown on the field. Yeah, and then once the ball goes over the fence, the outfielder, what are you still doing out there? Go, the game's over, get in the dugout. But yeah, it, I don't think we're throwing it directly at him. We're not like throwing batteries and coins at the, the center fielder or anything in the outfield. If we were doing that, then yeah, I wouldn't be happy about it. I would say, you know, you got to knock that stuff off or you, you can't even sit out there anymore. But we need uh, we need UCF Mike out there. That feels like your crowd. You need to be in that left field, right field, rowdy section on a Friday, Saturday night game. That feels like your kind of crowd, Mike. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to make it all the way up there for a baseball okay. game. But <laughs> look, in a couple of weeks, I believe it's March 28th, I've done research. They down here in Boca on a Tuesday yeah. night, 6 o'clock, which Tuesday is a good night for me. I don't have much going on on Tuesdays. It's possible. I don't have softball practice, anything like that. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about taking a little trek up there. It's not far. Um, I looked at the bright line, but I don't think the bright line is even necessary. You know what they have? The tri-rail is actually a lot closer to my house. That's still it's seven bucks round trip. They still do the tri-rail? I mean, I've never done the tri-rail, but it's oh. there. It runs. It's about 15 minutes. 15 <laughs> it's a, it's minutes. A low, that's a low bar, Mike. It's there and it runs. It's, it's a really <laughs> low bar, but I'll give it to you. But it's 15 minutes, which means I don't have to sit during rush hour traffic because the game's at 6. I wouldn't have to get on 95 at 5.15, 5.30, deal with rush hour. I can just jump right on the train, and it drops you off right by the campus, um, right off Yamato Road, right behind the back where, like, behind where the football stadium was. Um, it's possible. I think I may do it. The only yeah. thing is the the tri rail on the way back. I think the last train back is at like uh, nine fifteen or something. So if the okay. game goes late, I may only have to stick around for the first six innings, seven innings, and okay. get out of there. I don't know. All right. So we shouldn't expect an exclusive report from Mike after the after the game on the field, like Leo style, where you're shooting no. video. That's not okay. Fair enough. I have a <laughs> dilemma actually. I have the 21st. They're actually up here playing North Florida, um, six o'clock game again. Same thing. I was contemplating, but then there's rumor I may have to be out of town on Wednesday. Like I don't figure that out yet. I have not uh, solidified that 21st game uh, at UNF up here. So yeah. I'll get back to you on that. So we may have some road games in our, or we may have zero. Check back later. You never know. <laughs> All right, if you go to the game on the 21st, I'll go to the game on the 28th. Well, so if I don't go, it won't be because I won't or can't. It'll probably be because I'm, I'm well, I guess I, I guess I will because I can't. That, that most likely will mean that I have to be out of town on Wednesday, so I won't well, be able to go. You still go to a game on Tuesday. You have to be out of town on Wednesday. What's the difference? I will have, sorry, uh, Wednesday morning I have a meeting out of town, uh, like in New Jersey out of town. So I'd have to be gone by Tuesday to be there by Wednesday morning. So right. it would require and necessitate a Tuesday leave to be there by Wednesday, so. More to come on that. Uh, but by the way, Mike, that Justin Homer, I think that should be our Urban Nook's ticket to the house moment of the week. We're still doing that, by the way. Uh, and if you want the real scoop on real estate, Drew Bellani is who you want to call. Mike, he's, a, he's an alumnus. Yes, two times. Is he a shareholder? Of course he is. Is he a volunteer? 
why, why do we not be? He's also someone you can trust, Mike. And you want to call Drew at 407-456-3226. He can give you the real scoop on real estate. He can tell you what's going on. This market's up and down, Mike. I mean, I'm seeing interest rates go high and prices are dropping. What are you supposed to do? Do you refinance? Do you buy? I don't have these answers, but Drew Bellani does. 407 456 Three, two, two, six. That's where you're going to find Drew, Mike. Where you're going to find us is after this break, talking to Landon Woodson, Mike, a, uh, a really smart, um, interesting dude. Had some really interesting stuff to say. We'll, we'll let you kind of hear it for yourself and make your own interpretation. Uh, but that'll be after this little break. We're the Sons of UCF. We're brought to you by Gordon and Partners. This is UCF head football coach Gus Malzahn, and you should listen to the Sons of UCF like your hair is on fire. Go Knights and charge on. All right, Mike, each week, well, we have a problem around here because each week you and I are uh, interviewing people and uh, there's there's a problem. Either A, they're very large or much bigger than us. B, in the case of like Daryl Mack, they're much nicer than us. And C, in the case of our guest tonight, they're much smarter than us too. So we are really at a disadvantage here because people are either bigger, smarter, or nicer than us. Uh, this guy may be all, th- actually is all three. I don't want to say maybe. He actually is all three. Played at UCF from 18 to 22. Uh, this past year had a unique role, which we'll get into. Uh, but we're very happy to have Landon Woodson join us on the show tonight. Landon, first off, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show. Of course, of course. Glad to be here. Well, let's, I always love to start off at the beginning. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your recruitment. Obviously, you're a kid out of Virginia. So how, did, how do you end up at UCF? Talk me through your recruiting cycle and how the Knights became the place you went to go play for. Well, it's kind of crazy, if I'm being honest. <laughs> so basically, I only played football in my senior year of high school, if you can believe that. Um, I had some, some knee problems in high school also, along with college. Um, yeah, so my senior year, I only played receiver, so I didn't really do much DN and I actually was getting recruited. I was getting heavily recruited actually, um, no offers, but well, not a lot of offers, not ones that, you know, compared to UCF, but, you know, I was getting some, you know, small D2 offers, um, you know, whatever. Um, I would say around mid-football season in my senior year, Coach Burnham, uh, the, the old head coach, the one who left with Coach Heupel, mm-hmm. Coach Burnham, he's the one who started recruiting me from Rutgers. And he told me that I didn't have enough DN film, like defensive film, to get an um, offer from Rutgers. So I was like, wow. I mean, I guess I got to step my game up a little <laughs> bit. So – um. So I started playing a lot more defense uh, as the season went on. And then I I remember this day to a T. It was 2017 Christmas Eve. He texted me and he was like, hey, Landon, I moved to UCF and we need a guy. I was like, I mean, I, actually, I didn't know what UCF was, if I'm being completely honest. Like, I had no clue what UCF was. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, cool, bet. Like, you know you know, trying to give him the runaround because, you know, I'm excited because he was recruiting me at Rutgers. So I would say, so I did some research on UCF. You know, they were pretty good that year. The fee, not fee, but the Peach Bowl, he texted me and said, you watching? I was not watching. <laughs> My mom was watching um, downstairs in the ba- or in the um, living room. So I went down there. I was like, yeah, coach, I'm watching. Of course, I'm locked in. So I was watching. I was like, oh, wow, these guys are, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty good. They just beat Auburn. Um, 
you know, they're on a come up. And so that's basically it. Uh, did my official visit probably around, I think it was January, like the middle or end of January. And then signed. Signed, I think, when signing day, like February or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I signed then. Did, did you want to play defense? Did you want to play receiver? How, how, how did you decide or how was it decided that you were going to be a, a defensive player? Uh, I don't know. I, you know, I always would rather hit somebody than get hit. That's just, you know, my philosophy. But uh, my dad, he played some, he played some football back in the day too. Uh, he played outside linebacker and I kind of wanted to go towards that role, but I was kind of like a bigger, longer, faster guy. So DN really fit me the best. Um, I played receiver a lot. I was pretty fast, pretty could get away from people was pretty, well, of course, tall. Um, and so I guess I just had like the receiver build, but I wasn't, I don't know. I didn't like it as much as I like defense, if I'm being honest, because defense is more exciting. Like receiver, if you don't get the ball, then you're just out there basically. <laughs> and defense, you're doing something every single play, um, all types of contact. And that's what I like the most. So that's why I chose really defense. You didn't see any action that first year in 2018. So you took a red shirt. Did you, was that by plan coming in just to give yourself that extra year of learning the defense and things like that? Um, Honestly, no, it wasn't. So I came in thinking, like, I want to play. Like, I have a good chance of playing. I have a good chance of, you know, making a name for myself. Um, I would say around – so I came in. I did pretty well. I would say around the – like third, second, second or third week of fall camp, I like my knee had like just shifted. And I was like, wow, like this might, you know, this might be something. So I kept playing on it because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to come in and be like that, that kid who's always hurt, you know, like the kid who comes in, you know, I don't know if like if you like it wouldn't like you don't want to be the kid who comes in gets hurt and then he just he's just there on the team if that makes sense like I wanted to play my freshman year I wanted to make a name for myself so I didn't play I went to the doctor and he told me it was torn so I had surgery at the end of August basically just rehab trying to get ready for that next season. It was a pretty talented team there. Obviously, you're practicing there at with the team at, to start. Was there a moment there where you're like, well, this is a lot different than it was back in high school? Yes, 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 yes. Wyatt Miller, just put that name out there. <laughs> Wyatt Miller is a beast. He was, I remember my first time going like full pads. I was, um, it was like a, it was like an inside drill. So basically just the running back, the linebackers and the O-line, D-line. And I was going against him and he just like, I was trying to do the little high school swag, you know, little woo-dee-woo, and he just <laughs> humbled me very quickly. <laughs> he humbled me fast. And then that's when I had to realize, like, okay, now I need to get into the weight room. I got to get stronger, faster, like, you know, more agile, just work on my craft, honestly. How much were you weighing coming in at a high school compared to now? <laughs> coming in, I think I was too – 210 yeah i think like 210 and when i left i was like 245 That's a big yeah difference. so yeah i put some put some weight on 
I'm always curious, Landon, what was your approach that offseason? Obviously, a, a tough year, 2018. You're heading mm-hmm. into, into camp in 2019, spring game. Obviously, you know, you get cleared medically. What was your approach? What were kind of your goals heading into that 2019 season? To prove something, you know, because, you know, I was pretty – like, I mean, people knew I was coming from Virginia. Like, they were like, oh, like, you got this DM from Virginia. You know, they were like – you know, I try not to get too much into it, but, you know, I was like, okay, like, they expect something from me. So I need to give him a show, of course. But I don't know. I was just really proving to myself that I can play at the next level. Um, coming from high school, like just to show that I can play. And I just wanted playing time, honestly. Like if I had playing time, then I could really show people what I could do. And I think I did a pretty good well or pretty, pretty well. Yeah, I did pretty well in college. <laughs> I, did a pretty, I did a pretty good job of showing people. I think so. Well, one of the first opportunities you got to, to prove yourself in one of the first moments of your career, 2019 against FAU, you got your first career sack. Do you still remember that play? Like, if you close your eyes yeah. right now, can you still visualize that play? Can you tell us what happened? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm closing my eyes and remembering right now, honestly. So, I I don't know. It was it was just, like, surreal, honestly. So, hike, boom. I was That was my third play in. I remember that. It was, like, my third, fourth play in. First drive, boom, hike the ball, run up the field, got past the D tackle, and the quarterback goes sprinting out to my left. So I guess they're right, but my left, he goes running out. And all I'm thinking is, I got to get him. I got to get him. I'm sprinting my hardest. And I just dive and try to swipe his toes. And he takes a couple more steps and falls, and I'm jumping up happy, you know, just everything. Did you know it was a sack? Did you were you sure you got him behind the line? Were you was there a celebration on your on your part? He just fell and he was the quarterback. That's all I knew. And he had the <laughs> ball in his hand. So <laughs> I was happy. All right. In that 19 season, we lost three games and they were all on the road, right? Uh, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Tulsa. Was it something about going on the road that year that was a little different with that team or no? Um I mean, it was really – I don't I don't know. I don't know because, I mean, road games are always hard, of course. You know, it's not your crowd, not your fan base. But are you asking, like, from that year and, like, the years after that, are they different? Or no, no, like, just in, in that season. I mean, because we, we were beating up on teams that year too. It's just yeah. there's a yeah, couple yeah. of games. I mean, the Pittsburgh game, and they're all close games and close losses. We just couldn't seem to pull them out at the end. Yeah, we lost by, I think, like seven points altogether. Yeah. Something like crazy like that. I don't know. It was – I don't know. You win some, you lose some, I guess. Like, I feel like everybody played their part. We just couldn't win, honestly. Right. I, I mean, it was a good year. Play. Yeah, I wouldn't really blame it on anybody specifically, but – you just couldn't make it happen, I guess. Yeah, it was a good season. A three-loss season is not bad, but compared to the two years before that where they didn't lose yeah. a game, only the one bowl game, what was there something in the locker room at the end of the year? Was it looked down as a successful year or was kind of a down year? We didn't make the conference championship game, anything like that? It was definitely a down year, I would say, because, I mean, you know, two years like I know some of the players on that team like they were like oh that's the first game I've lost like as a college athlete and they're like three years into the year like three years into the like you know college football 
And it was definitely like it shocked a lot of people. It shocked a lot of people, like on the team. Like, and I could tell some. I mean, it's bad to see, like some people just seem like they weren't used to losing, if that makes sense. Like, because we were on a like we were going up, like we weren't losing at all. Like, what twenty five and 0, 26 and 0, something like some crazy, and and just weren't losing, and then we lost, and it just like you know seemed like we weren't supposed. to. Like, of course, we're not supposed to lose, but people just took it like, you know, I'm like, we're not supposed to lose. So it just it sucked, honestly. But I mean, I was like a freshman, so I didn't really have any to say, honestly. So I was just really there watching everybody. Well, we know 2020, Landon, was a year unlike any, right? <clears throat> you're obviously a kid. You're not from Florida. You're not from Orlando. You're, you're from Virginia. So school gets shut down. Practice gets shut down. Where do, do you stay in Orlando? Did you go back to Virginia? What was that quarantine time like for you? No, it was good. I um I stayed in Virginia – or I stayed at um, Orlando. I didn't really want to go home because I knew I was going to be trapped in the house. I mean, I'm not saying – like, COVID was a serious thing. I know that for sure. But I knew I was going to be, like – you know, trapped in the house. Um, and there's not much to do here or at Yulia here in Fredericksburg. Um, and a lot of people stayed in um, in Orlando on the team. So I just stayed in Orlando. Excuse me. I saw people when I could. Um, you know, it was, I mean, kind of suck, but I could leave when I wanted to or do whatever I wanted, honestly. We talked to Montalvo last week. He said the hardest part for him was the testing. He hated actually getting the test done. I guess he was a bit of a baby with that thing up his nose, right? What was the hardest part? What was the hardest part of that entire process for you? The testing. I would say the testing. Like, the masks weren't that big of a deal, honestly. It was the testing. Because, like, it was every, what, it was like two, three times a week. We would just both nose. And then if you, God forbid, you get COVID, then you're, getting blood drawn you're getting it yeah it, the testing was by far the worst part 100 percent. yeah obviously you're you're a pretty big guy like mike mentioned you were you're trying to put some weight on right continue to kind of grow what did you do to stay in shape during that period of time were you able to work out were you lifting what was kind of your regimen like so i would try to i didn't really lift as much because i didn't really want to go to like a weight room um because it i don't know just I don't know. I was big on germs then. I mean, like, cause just like the COVID scene and like, I just didn't want to like be around like a big group of people like that or stuff that people have touched too much or whatever. I would try to run, uh, just run around the school campus. Um, I definitely had to watch what I ate because I didn't want to get too little or get too big coming back from COVID because we were out with like six months, maybe like five, six months. It was a long time we were gone. And I just didn't want to try to lose like what I had built up coming there. <clears throat> well, that year, for the first time since 2016, we actually lost games at home. We lost two games at home, but there was what 25% crowd, 50% crowd allowed. How different or how weird was it to to be playing at home and not have that home crowd the way it normally is? Mm, yeah, I mean, so. Yeah, no, it's 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 a big it's a big shock because usually like when you're on the field, you don't really hear the crowd like you're so dialed into the game. But when there's nobody there, you can definitely tell when there's nobody there. It's a it's a huge difference. Nobody's screaming for you when you run out the tunnel. You just hear a little 
people talking in the background. It's it's not a, it's not a good feeling. There were some places that were almost empty. I think the East Carolina game, there was nobody yeah. out there. Yeah, there was nobody there at the East Carolina game. I do remember that. There was nobody there at all. It was, you can, yeah. You can probably hear the coaches on the other sideline, all their calls, the scream, and everything. It's, it's got to yeah, be a little weird. Yeah, you can hear everybody. You can hear everything. Like, usually, like when you're playing, you can only hear your coach because you know their voice. Like, you only hear their coach, your, your coach. But when there was nobody at the game, like you could hear everything. And it was kind of weird, but it's just the times we were living in. At the end of the year, you had one of your best games ever, I think. Three sacks against South Florida. What do you remember about that day and those plays? I yeah, I, that's the most memorable game I probably think I've ever had. Um I actually didn't play the third quarter. I mean the whole fourth quarter. I um I had like got cut and I had to come out. But that game was probably probably one of the best games cuz I remember I told my teammates dropping Cam, uh, like, yeah, I got a good feeling about this game. Like, yeah, we're about to, you know, it's, it's going to be because it's the bowl, not a bowl game, but it's a um, rival game. It's the last game of the season. You know, everything was just built up to that moment. And I remember I got my first two sacks and my coach Burnham, he was like, you going to go out there and get another one? I said, of course I am. Went out there, boom, got another one. Got cut a few plays later. It's whatever, but I, that's I, that's probably the most memorable game I've ever had. That game was closer than it should have been. I think we were way better than them that year, and somehow they just kept hanging in there with us, and it came all the way down to the end. I, I just think that's what a rivalry game does to you, because of course we're way better than USF, and I feel like everybody can attest to that. But it's I don't know. It's just when you play your rival, they just get that extra boost or whatever and come playing, come ready to play. Well, as if that 2020 year wasn't weird enough, Landon, obviously the bowl game against BYU doesn't go our way. Guys get back to campus. You're, you're there a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden news starts breaking that maybe coach hypo is leaving and we get the announcement he's going to Tennessee as a player. How did you find out that that coach hypo is leaving? How does, how does that news kind of find you? And what was your reaction when you heard that? So, I'm trying to remember exactly how. So I remember we were supposed to have a team meeting that morning. And no, like, we were all there. Like, so, you like, we're there in the team meeting room. And I think one of our coaches just comes in and says, go to OD meetings. So Coach Hoppel, he didn't come in. They're just like, go to OD meetings. So we went to OD meetings and – we were just like, like, what's like, what's happening? Like, where's Coach Hypo? Like, nobody like, because we didn't really think about like Coach Hypo leaving. Like, we didn't like that didn't really cross our mind. We we're just like, like, what's going on? Like, why, like, why aren't the coaches here? So we go to OD meetings, and then we split up into position meetings. We were talking to like one of the GAs, and they were just like, yeah, Coach Hypo, he didn't even show up to the meeting this morning. And I was like, oh, like, like, well, the coaches' meeting, not our meeting, like the coaches' meeting. I was like, oh, like, <laughs> why? Like, because I didn't really, like, know, like, he was, like, in the running for the Tennessee coach or at the time. Like, I just – honestly, I was just in the dark. I was just getting everything thrown to me. I was like, oh, why? And they are like, he's gone. I was like, 
gone. What do you mean gone? Like, like we in a like I think we were in I don't like what is it like January or something like that. Like we had yeah. just got back. I'm like, what do you mean gone? Like, but I have a spring practice like in two weeks. What do you like? So I don't know. That's that's how I found out. And then as soon as I left that campus that day, I just went on Twitter and just looked up, you know, Coach Heupel. And all I see is Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee. And then I see him like getting off a plane in an orange tie. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's over. <laughs> <laughs> the orange tie is a dead giveaway. Well, uh, at that point, uh, Randy Shannon, your defensive coordinator, was named interim yeah. head coach. And yeah. there was a lot of talk, Landon, about who should who the next coach should be. Obviously, as a defensive guy, I'm sure you were hoping maybe Randy got an opportunity. There was a lot of people who were, you know, were really rooting for Jeff Levy, the former offensive coordinator, to get the role. What did you think as a, as a player in the team? How did you kind of manage all that? Were you were you hoping maybe Randy and that and that the defensive side got a job? Were you hoping maybe Levy? Did you care who who came in as coach? I did care, but I just cared what they would bring more than who it actually was. Like I knew Coach Shannon; he was a player's coach, and he was going to bring you know, team unity. He was going to, you know, bring us together more as a team because that's what he did it to our defense. And that's why we played so well. We did. Um, Coach Levy, he definitely would have brought some, brought some spark to the, to the university because I was just looking for it as, because what he did with us the first year and like, you know, we were an air raid team. Like our offense was crazy. Um, and then, then I thought like, okay, so if Levy's the head coach, who's going to be the defense coordinator? Are they going to keep Coach Shannon? Like, like, I don't know. Like, I was just thinking about who – honestly, I was just thinking about who our, like who my specific coach is going to be rather than the head coach because I wanted to know who's going to be the D-line coach, who's going to be the defense coordinator, like who's going to run us. But, yeah, I mean, I I mean, I guess I had opinions, I guess, but didn't really care what the players think. It's all about did you, did, did you all get a, a chance to voice that opinion? I know, obviously, Danny White already left, so there was no athletic director. Terry Mahadra comes in. I mean, again, there was a lot of stuff on social media land. There a lot of people were hashtag Levy, yeah. hashtag hire Levy. Did, yeah. did players, did you all get a chance? Was Did anybody consult? Did you get a chance to be a part of a meeting and kind of share your perspectives? Um, I mean, I feel like it was more like in person rather than a meeting, just like locker room talk, mm-hmm. honestly, like you know, everybody giving their opinion, who they want to be head coach, who they want, um, who they think will be head coach, uh, you know, and then some players, of course, you know, tweeted out what they wanted, who they wanted. Um, I don't know. Like, I I didn't really know what was going on, if that makes sense. Like, because I was like, so like the players who were there the year before I got there, year before Hypo, they kind of knew like how the like how things were going to pan out. Like they knew like the process of a coach leaving and like everything that goes around that. So that was really like my first time of really, you know, seeing everything, but, and you know, they had opinions too, but I don't, I don't really know. Honestly, they like, we definitely had our voice, but I wouldn't, I don't really know who we would voice it to because who would be, because we didn't have an athletic director at the time, so we couldn't really tell the athletic director who we wanted. And I don't, I guess, like, the university picks the athletic directors. I don't really know how that works. Yeah. Do they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah university president does. 
Yeah, so I don't like. I mean, they don't. Nobody knew him, so <laughs> I don't like. I feel like it was just talking to the wind at that point because we didn't really have anybody. That, we could voice our opinion, but if it wasn't going to the right person, then it wasn't gonna really do anything. Honestly, in my opinion. <laughs> so they hire Malzahn. What did you know about him before he came in, and what were your first impressions of him? <clears throat> so. My first impression of him was, okay, we got an SEC coach. Like, you know, he's about to bring in, you know, some players, not even just players, but just like the SEC mindset. Um, I knew things were going to change, definitely. Um, I don't know. I just, like, knew his track. Like, that's what I looked at. I looked at his track record. He did He did some things at Auburn, some great things at Auburn, honestly. And, you know, of course, we wanted him to translate to here, to UCF. Um, he came in great attitude. Um, I knew, like, the first meeting that we had with him, like, there was going to be a big, big change in, like, the way that we thought college football was to how he thinks college football is, if that makes sense. What were the biggest differences? Was it in the meetings? Was it on, in the practice field? Was it just the, his whole philosophy of, of how to play? What's the biggest difference for you? The biggest difference for me was just the way things were ran. Like, so Coach Heupel has his way of coaching. Oh, every coach has a way of coaching. But, like, like the outside stuff, like, as far as – I don't even know. Just, like, the way, like, meeting times. I mean, that was really – you know, those changed. But I don't really know. It's just – like his demeanor was a lot different. Like it was like we knew we were like he he had tunnel vision for one thing. One thing only was the conference championship or the um, you know New Year's Six Bowl. It was it was definitely like he got everybody motivated. I'll tell you that he definitely got everybody motivated, but not a lot of people bought in as quick in our first season. And that kind of showed like nobody really, like, I think after we lost our first game, it was just like, all right, is everything that you were saying is true? Like, what are we going to do to change certain things? Like, I don't know. It's, he, it was, it was just a lot different than what everybody was used to. I'll put it like that. And then like new players coming in, Yeah, um, yeah, new players coming in, just like players that have been there before, not knowing like like I was doing good last season, you bring him in and now I'm not playing at all, or you bring him in and like I was a you know three, four year starter, you bring him in, he automatically you know, it's just like and it's a lot of like I don't know, it's it's just it's like I said, it was different though for me because this was the first time I was experiencing it. Like a new coach coming in, bringing like you know his staff, his players, his you know his whatever. Um, and I was, I don't know, it was just different, but it was good. It was good while it lasted. So him bringing in guys like Big Cat. I mean, I know it's directly it's affecting you. It's right on your position. Yeah. Did you kind of look at it a little sideways? Like you know, what, this is supposed to be in my position. No, I'm not that type of guy. I didn't look at it like that. I just looked at it as competition, honestly. Um, you know, they're bringing in an SEC player. 
They're bringing in somebody they know. They're bringing in because an amazing player. He's a great player, and he's doing great right now where he is right now. He when when they brought him in, I wasn't. I was excited to see like how, like how he played and how he practiced and how like his work ethic, and his work ethic definitely helped me throughout the year because I would come to him like me being there at UCF for you know so many years and him being the new guy, it was kind of like he came in with an attitude of, not like oh yeah this is my team or this is like so and so he came in with the attitude of like wanting to help players like get to where they know they can be. If that makes sense. Like all the younger players that came in, he came in with open arms. Um, even players like, you know, me, Drop, Josh Salazar, players that have been there, like know the routine, know everything. Like he came with Coach Malzon, so he knows how Coach Malzon coaches and how he runs things. So he kind of gave us like the rundown of how things were going to go and just, you know, fall in line with those. Landon, you said you, you could tell that maybe some guys weren't, weren't really bought in all the way. You don't have to you don't have to name names, but can you give me an example of of something that you saw where you recognize, hey, someone's not really bought into what we're doing right now? Play calling, like certain play calls, like the way plays were being called, like they were like, this isn't gonna work. Like, like it's just like just negative, honestly, like just negativity throughout. And like they say one thing. Or like the coaches say one thing and the players will go back and say another thing. And it was just like it was too many, like too much back and forth. But over the year, as it went on, it definitely got like everybody bought in. But it was just at the beginning. But I mean, I understand like it's a new coach. You don't really know what to expect and you know it one way. And then he comes in and does a totally different way. It happens. Did you see that more on the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball? Or both? No, it was both. It was definitely both because when even when T. Will came in, T. Will is a, an amazing coach, and everything that he did, we had to buy in pretty early to to know that we were going to be one of the best defenses in the nation. And I think when we bought in, the offense bought in, and that just when we clicked together to you know do something great. Well, if there's anything about that season, too, by the way, I mean, there was just a rash of injuries. I mean, it seemed like every game somebody else was going down. Louisville, we lost pretty much the entire team. It felt like at points in time. Um, yeah. Do you do you think, though, if you, as you look at that team, like you really all didn't get a chance to really prove yourself because so many guys were in and out of the lineup on the defensive side? I know you, you guys were missing a bunch of guys for a bunch of games on the defense. Do you, do you think that it just you never got a chance to get the entire group together as constructed and really see what that team could be? Yeah, I mean, you know, we think about that all the time. Like, if we had everybody who got hurt throughout that year, if we really, like, had them at 100%, because those were some of the key players that we had that year. And if they were there the whole season, then who knows what we would have done, honestly, because those were amazing players. Who I think it was Dylan, Ricky, Dylan. Bowser. Yeah. Bowser was out for a while. Jalen Robinson got hurt for a long yeah. time. But, yeah, yeah. Um, JJB was out for a couple of games, I think. Yeah, I mean, Corey Thornton, I think, got hurt for a while. Yeah, see, like, those are key players that, you know, everybody knows about. And not even just that everybody knows about them. They're, like, team leaders and team players. So, like, when they're not on the field, you know, people have to step up. And I know some people just weren't ready for that yet. And it didn't show, but our play could have definitely been a lot 
more if those players are there. Because those are some, you know, pretty big keys on our defense and how those ran. <laughs> there was a couple games there on defense where it was just bad. We gave up over 50 points to Cincinnati, SMU. How frustrating was that as a defensive guy just, you know, having another team handed to us like that? I mean, shoot, it's our fault, right? <laughs> didn't score 50 points on. That's not the offense's fault. I don't know. This sucks. I mean, those teams are amazing teams, but they're not as good as, you know, we let them play. And we could definitely do a lot much or a whole lot better than what we showed, but it's just any given Saturday, and that was their day. And then another close game with South Florida, the Cows there at the end of the season. Um, you didn't grow up down here. You said you didn't know much about UCF. Yeah. But you kind of had to learn about this rivalry as a player here. Did you learn to hate these guys as much as we do? Is there talk going into these games about how big of a game this is? Every week. We talk about it actually the whole year. Like, we, we're not going to let the green team beat us. We don't even say their names. <laughs> yeah, it was – in that game, um, yeah, that was a close game. And like I said before, like – I think just the rivalry game in general just brings everybody to their best. Um, and USF, you know, they came and brought their best. They shouldn't have. We shouldn't have let it get that close, but, you know, it's whatever. We won. That season wraps up with a nice win in the Gasparilla Bowl against the Gators. Mm -hmm. I know you said earlier that uh, the game you had against the Cows was probably your favorite game. Was that the biggest win that you were part of at UCF, was beating the Gators in that Gasparilla Bowl? So the biggest one in my career? Yeah, in your, in your time at UCF. I think that was the biggest. Yeah, definitely. That definitely was the biggest one because it just proved so much to so many people that, you know, UCF is nobody to mess around with. You know, we're playing SEC teams, beating SEC teams. Um, not even just like all the media stuff, just like enter within the football team. Like we are better than them. Like they're not, okay, they're SEC. They you know, have this, that, and the third, but so do we. And nobody, I think, really sees that because our, what, the AAC conference playing the SEC team, you know, people down upon that. But we really, I think, just showed the world, shocked the world, and showed them what we could really do. What was the vibe like going into that 2022 season? You had a monster spring game. Obviously, we unveiled kind of the, the new style offense with John Rice Plumley, and we threw the ball over yeah. the place that day. You had a bunch of you had a bunch of plays that day. Did it feel different heading into 22? I mean, obviously, you talked about some guys kind of buying in, getting adjusted in yeah. that early part of spring and that early part of that fall camp. Did, did that team feel different to you in 2022? Yeah, we were we were completely different than we were in 2021. It was a full 180 on how we approached the. I would even just the little things like lifting or um, the meeting room, like everybody brought a notebook. Nobody used to do like everybody brought a notebook. Everybody, you know, had pens to give out to people who didn't have like it's just like, you know, little things like that that made me know like, OK, yeah, like we're serious about this season. Like we're not going to let anything hold us back. What do you think changed? What do you think changed from 21 to 22 to, to kind of make that happen? I just think the team chemistry and really learning. um like how the coaches were because, you know, the first year coming in, everybody's trying to figure everybody out. The coaches are trying to figure us out. We're trying to figure the coaches out. Um, I think it was just the team chemistry of how 
Because they came in, like, when they came in, it was fast. Like, they came in fast, and, like, the next week we had spring in the 2021 season. So, like, it wasn't really, like – it was, like, they had to go from, you know, just coming in and to coaching. Like, they, we didn't really get to know them. Like, we had our introduction meetings and everything, and they were all, all amazing. But, like, we didn't really get to know them outside of football. And I think going into that 2022 season, we did a lot of, like, team activities as far as coaches, players, coaches, position groups – like just the team chemistry and like, you know, coming together as one. Fall camp doesn't go exactly how you expect. Um, you have an injury. And can you just tell us a little bit exactly what happened to you there? Um, I mean, just like you said, I guess an injury. My ACL, you know, that's been a problem for me, you know, my whole college career. Um. And it just got to the point to where I couldn't really take it anymore. Like, I mean, I've been doing it for the past five years, four or five years. And, you know, football doesn't last forever. And I just had to stop, I guess, before a lot of other people. But Gus tells you to stick around. You know, you got like a leadership role on the team. What exactly did he ask you to do? What was he trying to get you to do with the other guys? Basically, just be there for them, um, a mentor, um, show the younger kids the ropes. Um, I had a lot of freshmen on my side, like Jamal Johnson, um, KT Thomas. You know, those were the two new DNs. And really just put them under my wing and show them the ropes of how school worked, how the football worked, you know, help them with plays. Because it's just, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it's just it was a great role because I was able to, you know, still have my locker, um, still be able to, you know, travel with the team basically a GA, basically just there helping the team where I can, when I can. Um, And it was really no different from if I was playing or wasn't playing, you know, like they never treated me any differently of my position on the team, which was amazing, honestly, because I was, honestly, I was blessed to be put in that position because, you know, I don't play. So like, what am I bringing to the team, you know? And they kept me around and treated me like family. Yeah, you were like a de facto coach. I was, I'd see you at the games on the sideline. You had the orange hat on, the orange jacket. I don't know if you're yeah. calling plays in there, but you were like a de facto coach at that point? You know, basically. <laughs> basically, I was a, yeah, I guess a coach. Song. How did how did that change your relationship with your teammates, right? I mean, obviously, you're still their brother. You're still their friend. A lot of those guys you played alongside – did that change your relationship at all with your teammates now that you're wearing the orange, the orange hat, the orange jacket with a headset? Did that change at all for you? No, it didn't, honestly. Because um, honestly, like when I first, like, you know, agreed and Coach Malzahn told me about the role I was going to be playing, I was like, mm, like a coach. Like I was just with these guys like last week, lifting with them, like, you know, working out with them now to be a coach. But it didn't change anything, honestly, because I'm still there. I was still there in the meeting rooms. Um, with my position team, you know, I still have my seat. Like it was, I was basically a player until Saturday, Saturday. That's when I really just became a coach. But throughout the whole season, I was a player. What do you think about the season that we had I, overall? How would you grade it? I mean, we got to a championship game. We kind of sputtered there towards the end. We made it. That's that's, we didn't finish, but we made it. And that was first goal of the season was to make it to the game um you know it didn't you know it didn't go how we went or how we wanted it to go I'd give the season 
B plus B. Cause you know, it's like, like I said, like it was the first time I felt like we really bought in and bought into the program and played as one. Um, it didn't go how we wanted at all, but I saw progression and that's all that really mattered. So I know this next season coming up, it'll be, you know, tenfold. There were a couple of games there that cost us from having the championship game at home, which might've made a big difference. The East Carolina game and the Navy game. Which one of those two you want to have back right now? Navy. Always Navy, because I don't know why they always beat us, but Navy. <laughs> I could care I could care less about ECU, honestly, but Navy. Because that it, I think Navy hurts is always gonna hurt the most because Navy is like you don't you're not supposed to lose Navy. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not at home. You're not, no. Not as a 14-point favorite or whatever we were that day. Yeah, I mean, I ECU, it's football. But Navy, they're not – that's not – I'm not going to say that's not football. But that's like they, – they're, they're, they run that whatever. And we're not supposed to lose Navy. I'll just say that. That's, that was – I want that game back. I always want that game back. Yeah, Montalvo told us last week that, you know, he got cut like six, seven times during the game. And, yeah. you know, you always got to keep your head in a swivel play and play yeah. in Navy, right? And how much of a challenge that is. Did you experience that in the, the opportunity you had to play Navy? Yes, I did. And I wore both my knee braces that game. I made sure to. I wasn't <laughs> taking any chances with them. Maybe, which opponent yeah, was more no, go Which ahead. opponent was more frustrating for you in your career? You lost twice to Tulsa and you lost twice to Navy. Which Which one was more frustrating for you? I don't know. They both suck because we couldn't beat either one of those teams. Fair. Honestly, <laughs> like I don't know what it was, and they weren't good. Like they weren't better than us. It's just like I don't feel like we were intimidated either by them because there was no need to be. Navy, all they had was cutting. Tulsa didn't really have anything that we didn't have, but Navy, they just had that certain what wish wishbone offense mm -hmm. uh yeah. wing t i don't know uh i don't know i don't know i feel like there's a bad memories I'll, I'll change the subject for you <laughs> um although this isn't any better uh transfer portal obviously a thing now landing we talked about it earlier with some guys coming in but obviously we had our fair share of guys leave as well that first year in 21 you saw two big name guys and dylan gabriel tate and bethune leave and this mm -hmm. offseason uh, again a bunch more guys you know take off ryan o'keefe jeremiah john baptiste um, Devontae brad and then one guy was really surprised i think somebody was your roommate for a while matt lee uh decides to leave as well what did you what do you make of guys when they decide to leave UCF, is it something where you're like, Hey, you know what? I'm a roof from forever. Are you sometimes confused about why they want to leave? Or do you just support them because your teammates, your brothers, and that's kind of what you want to do? Yeah, no, I'll support, I support them, whatever they do. You know, they want to leave. That's, that's their decision. Um, it's, you know, a better opportunity, I guess. Um, whatever they decide is what they decide and whatever's best for them. It's what's best for them. It's how I see it. I don't really, I don't really know too much about you know the what goes into like their decision making, but if they feel it's the best decision for them, then it's the best decision for them. 
is that something where you know if guys do guys come up and ask you questions like young guys do people kind of kind of want to ask and talk about like hey i'm thinking about this or even nil right now lane is another huge yeah. thing that people are navigating for the first time as, as, a, as a leader in the team how are how are you all kind of like handling some of those questions and those things that kind of come up for the first time i mean we're just playing it by ear just you know like you said it's like coming up new like everything's new for us as far as you know can I, you know, I don't, it's <laughs> just like, you know, how much money is getting thrown around. It's like, it's, you can, you can tell, you can tell the people that are in it for the money and you can tell the people that aren't in it for the money. I know like you can tell for sure, as far as just, how things have operated lately and now that nil is like such a big big thing i mean you just you have to adapt honestly that's that's what it comes down to you just have to adapt to it and play your cards and hopefully you strike gold Let's talk off the field for a second. I know you uh, you were one who's very involved in the community. Uh, Mike and I have had a chance to have uh, Anthony Roberson and Jordan Johnson on the show a bunch of times, and obviously they did a lot of great work. And you kind of like took that baton from them, right? You kind they kind of yeah. passed that down to you. Tell me a little bit more about why that's important to you, and sort of what what made you want to continue to stay involved and be active in the community. I mean, that's just the type of person I am. Honestly, um, I want to see everybody around me be happy. Um, I remember the first time A Rob had asked me. It was the Gasparilla Bowl in 20, 2019, mm-hmm. I, I think. Yeah, 2019, when we played uh, – who did we play? Marshall. Marshall, yeah. That's who it was. Yeah, we played Marshall in 2019. But we were at the um, like this like bike building thing, and A-Rob said, hey, man, I can't make it to the bike thing because he had, um, I think, some – I don't know, something else – he said, can you do this interview for me um, talking about, you know, like the child's da 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 Because I had done a role with him earlier in that year, like a Christmas drive. And I was like, yeah, for sure. And then when the lady was talking to me, she was just saying how, you know, Landon, uh, A-Rob told me so much about you, about how this, that, and the third. And I was like, yeah. And then I just like really clicked like, yeah, this is like a great thing that we're doing. And I want to continue it because I knew they were leaving in the following years. So I got in contact with their contacts, um, you know, when's the next, uh, you know, toy drive, when's the next um, food drive, when's the, you know, what, what can I do to help the community? Even though I'm not from here, I treat it as my own because I've lived here. So it's mine now. That's how I saw it. And I just wanted to do the best I could for the people that I knew I could help. That's awesome. And thanks for, thanks for doing that for the community. Um, but what's next for you? I know obviously you're, you got, you got a full-time job now. You're kind of in the professional world. So give us an yeah. update on kind of where you are now and what's next for you, what your future looks like. So right now I work in DC. I am a project manager for ground penetrating radar systems. So basically we're like a, we're like a pre-op for construction workers. So we'll go in and scan out all the utilities that are underground before they start digging. So yeah, basically we just scan out the whole, the whole layout. So we do utilities like outside scanning and also indoor construction. So if people are like, you know, trying to build a new wall or trying to 
dig something into the ground. We'll go out and scan the area for them to make sure that everything's right. And so they don't hit any major pipelines. I love it. Wow. I, I do yeah. love it. It's, it's great. It's a great job. Mike, I told you he was smarter than you and I. Um, <laughs> uh, f- football in your future? You, uh, I know you, you had a little taste of coaching this year. Do you think down the road maybe you want to get back involved with football at some point in time? Of course. I definitely do. I, you know, I'm always going to be around it no matter what I do. I'm always going to – it's always going to be a part of me. I do want to I do want to come back and, you know, be around that scene one day. I just want to see where this life takes me first, like this professional life. You know, football – I'll always have football. But I just want to see where this road leads me first. Awesome. Well, you've been really generous with your time. We definitely appreciate it. But before we let you out of here, we got to hit you with some rapid fire questions. These could be about music, movies, sports, some of your teammates. You never know what's going to hit you. So I'm going to start off first with an easy one. Mike and I on the show, since it's kind of the dead period, we've been doing movie reviews. We're talking about some movies. What's one movie that you can turn on right now and you can recite every line of it? Word for word, you just know that movie by heart. Oh, welcome home, Roscoe Jenkins. Okay. Well, didn't have that on my bingo card. Okay. All right. Um, Chris Rock just came out with this special the other night. Yeah. One of my favorite comedians of all time. What is, who is your favorite or give me a top three? My favorite comedians. I'd say Kevin Hart, Chris Rock for sure. Um, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, Eddie Murphy. It's a good trio. So you've seen all the old Eddie Murphys, Eddie Murphy Raw, and all those. I've seen I've seen a good chunk of them, and that's where I got my decision from for my third. <laughs> Did you watch the Chris Rock the other night? No, I didn't actually. I was watching the fight, trying to get in, trying to get into <laughs> that. There's almost, there's almost a fight at the Chris Rock thing. Um, can you solve, I, I need your help on a controversy. Last week we had Anthony Montalvo on and he was mm-hmm. telling us that in, I think it was 2018, uh, there was a bunch of guys in the, on the team that were sometimes kind of class clowns or sort of cutting up during meetings and whatnot, but he wouldn't name names, right? So mm-hmm. he made me go back to the roster. I found the guys that were there and then he ended up fessing up on who he was talking about. But obviously your name was on that list. So I said your name and I said, mm-hmm. no, I don't think I don't think Landon would be about that. And this was uh, Anthony's response. I want you to hear what he told us. I mean, you'd be surprised. Landon, Landon is full of surprises. Landon is full of surprises. OK. All right. Um, you know what? <laughs> he says you are full of surprises, Landon. Defend yourself. Explain yourself. What does Anthony Montalvo mean that you're full of surprises? I'm a jokester. I like to I like to joke around with people, play pranks, you know, you know, throw things at people, just like some like little little kid stuff that you see in a classroom in elementary school. Crumble up a piece of paper, coach turns around, I'm throwing it at the back of your head. Um, you know, throwing pencils around. It's just I don't know, just little little things. It's <laughs> in the locker room. I don't know. It's just I'm just with people every day. I'm with them every day. You know, fall camp, 24 hours a day, basically. We gotta have some fun somewhere. All right, so now I need to know what's the best prank you played on one of your teammates. The best one. Hmm. Hmm. Did you like tie Montalvo's shoes together or something? No, I would say. Oh, probably like. Hiding people's helmets for practice, 
I used to always get people, you know, pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> who, who got the maddest at you for hiding their helmet? I mean, nobody, because nobody knew it was me, I guess, until now. <laughs> now they know. Okay. <laughs> oh, so you just, you went stealth mode. You just hit a helmet and was like, hey, where'd your helmet go? Like, you just kind of walked away? Everybody, everybody's, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Park <laughs> let's start. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get guys kicked off the team for that. <laughs> Nah, it wasn't that crazy. <laughs> it took too long, then I'd be like, I think it's over there. I think I saw somebody. Then we go all right, if, I, if I gave you 10 days, all-inclusive vacation, where in the world would you want to go? Tulum. London? Tulum, Mexico. Oh, Tulum. Yes, yeah. definitely. I want to, yes, I want to go so bad. And I think I'm going to go this year. I'm going to try to go this year. I'm going to try to go this year. Was, Robert, you said you, you, you said you didn't play football until your senior until your senior year in high school. Did you play other sports in high school? So, what sports did you play, and uh, what other sports did you excel at? Um, so I played I played basketball in high school, but I only played my freshman year. Um, you know, because you know the knee problems, so I didn't want to ruin it playing basketball. But before that, I played baseball until I think fifth grade, fifth or sixth grade. Then I started running uh, AAU track. And I ran all that all the way up through high school. And I actually ran some in high school, in high school, like in the high school track. But those are the only real sports I played. I, I wasn't really into soccer and nothing like that. Tennis, no. <laughs> um, yeah, those are really basically a baseball track and football, you know, the basic ones. All right, you look like you're keeping yourself in, still in pretty good shape, um, but you're allowed to have a cheat day every once in a while. So what's your food of choice when you, you're not trying to be too good? My food of choice, uh, poutines. It's like, a, it's, like a, it's like French fries with like gravy and cheese curds. I try to eat mm -hmm. that probably as much as I can. But now that I'm not worried about my weight in football, if you get me on call with you guys probably in a couple of weeks, I might get fat. <laughs> yeah, I think poutine has like 3,000 calories in it uh, alone, which is, which is awesome. <laughs> you, uh, you changed your number at UCF. You were 93, and then you mm -hmm. changed to 13. How did you end up with 93A? It was it just kind of luck of the draw freshman? And what made you change to 13? So 93, I remember it was like, I guess, luck of a draw. It wasn't really lucky because it's an ugly number, but. I was, we were doing freshman orientation, um, like all the freshmen. We were like, it was like a football thing that we were doing in the um, student union. And then everybody was like, oh, the numbers just came out. The numbers just came out. So I'm scrolling through the, <laughs> I'm scrolling through the thing and I'm still scrolling all the way down to 90s. I said, there's no way I'm number 93. I was like, I was, this got to change. But so I changed to 93. And then that next year, or no, two years after that, I wanted number 12 because 12 was my lucky number. And it's my lucky number only because L is the 12th letter of the alphabet. So I wanted 12, but I couldn't get 12 because I think E. Mitch still had it at the time and he mm -hmm. wasn't going to give it up. So I couldn't get 12, so I just got 13 and... I made it look good. That's all 
All right. If I have, say you can meet one celebrity in real life, who would you want to meet? If I can meet one celebrity, hmm. I'd probably say The Rock. I don't know why, but he's just everywhere now. Like he did the, he's like sponsored like by the combine with like the no bull stuff. He's like all over the XFL. He's just on top of the world right now. Now you're too young to remember him as a wrestler, right? You know him more just from the movies and all that. Yeah, but no, the the funny thing is actually is Coach Shannon used to coach him um, back in Miami. And he told us that. And that was pretty cool. Like, I was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. And he was, like, telling them how The Rock, like, talked to him through his transition from football to wrestling. And But, yeah, no, I don't I didn't know him as a wrestler. I just knew him as a movie star. Well, you mentioned you're in D.C. D.C. is home of what I think is – I did some research here. I think it has the best XFL team in the country right now, the D.C. Defenders. Landon, are you watching the XFL? Will you, will you sit down if the XFL is on and you're home? Nothing else to do. You flip on the TV. XFL is on. Are you going to stay and watch the whole game? I, I mean, I will. It's football. Okay. But I just don't understand it really, like the, the rules. Because, like, isn't, like, fourth down you can – I don't know. What is like fourth yeah, down? So it's, instead of an onside kick, you can yeah, elect to get great. take one down. Um, it's fourth and fifteen. You have to convert it. So since nobody yeah. ever gets an onside kick, they're trying to give you the opportunity maybe to actually convert that. So you get a fourth and fifteen in lieu of an onside kick. Yeah, I would. Just, that's too much. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, that's a lot. But I mean, it's cool. Like, cause I know some of our um, like I think AK plays for the um, for the Arlington yep. team. Yeah. And they were just on last night, so I watched a little bit of that. But, I mean, I only watch it if I know somebody on the team. Like, other than that, I probably probably won't watch it. <laughs> All right, if you were going to a karaoke party tomorrow night, you have to sing a song. What are you singing? Perfect by Sharon. Can you sing? Wow. Are you, do you have a voice? No, I don't, but the auto-tune and the music in the background will mask it out for me, so it'll be all right. Uh, Ed Sheeran, did, you didn't listen to Ed Sheeran before a game, right? That wasn't like your, your pump-up music, right? <laughs> I don't know. I listen to a lot of music. If it like if it was a song that I was like, okay, this is a good song, and I just like I like songs that I can listen to that I can sing when I'm like in the game or like when I'm doing something else and I don't have my headphones in, like a tune, like a – like a tune I can just keep playing, keep playing in my head. Like, that'll focus me up. It's a, like a little thing I have. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Last question for you. The hardest question you're going to have to answer this entire interview. A lot of your former teammates started with their own merchandise lines, right? They have their own T-shirts. Somebody famously had some socks on the team, right? Uh, so yeah. a lot of T-shirts, a lot, a lot of gear. Who had the ugliest merchandise on the team? Whose who stuff did you look at and be like, man, there's no way I'm ever wearing that? The socks. I never really understood those. <laughs> the okay. socks. Was, I, I don't. I didn't like the socks. They were good. It was a good. Like it was like one of like the first like little like like I think that was the first like merchandise thing I've seen. Like I saw like has the as yeah. as it progressed. Like those were like the first. I was like mm, nobody's really buying socks. All right. Well, who, who's whose socks were better? The Dylan Gabriel socks 
or the Colton Boomer socks from this past season? Which whose socks do you prefer if you had to pick one pair? I'll wear one of each. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. A very uh, a very uh, diplomatic answer. Colton Boomer said um kicking bombs and kissing moms though. I mean that was like his catchphrase, I think, right? <laughs> if you knew if you knew him, that would be no surprise to you. That was that was his senior quote. <laughs> we've had him on the show it's actually not surprising at all yeah. um, you would not be surprised who was who was the funnest guy in the team last year who was the one guy that no matter who you were around just kind of cracked you up made you laugh made you smile i would say i would say cheetos keenan malachi matt and adrian those, so you called those, you saw, you called somebody Cheetos. Who who is Cheetos? Uh, Cheetos Magiro, number sixty six. Okay. He plays okay. uh, offensive guard. Like no, no, I, yeah, no, I, I was a picture, and you named somebody like after the snack food. So I had to <laughs> I had to check in and make sure there was nobody named Cheetos on the team because that would be a story that we would have to have to figure out. Landon, uh, thanks, man, for taking the time, and I know it's been a long time uh, for you talking for us tonight, man. Appreciate you taking the time, man. Best of luck to you in your career. Hopefully we'll get a chance to see you. Have any, do you have any plans to get back to Orlando this season? Maybe catch a game? Yeah, no, I'm definitely – I want to come – you know, we're in the Big 12 now, so that's a big step up. I don't know if they're I – I looked at the schedule, but no, West Virginia – because I was going to try to go to the West Virginia game if it was away because it's not too far from me. Yeah. But, no, I want to come to the homecoming, and I want to try to make it to um, the pro day, but I don't know if that'll – I don't know if that'll work, but I definitely want to come to homecoming or like some some home game. Well, hopefully we get a chance to catch you catch you soon at the bounce house. Again, thanks for everything you do for UCF. Thanks for being such a great rep for the team and the community. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. Hopefully we'll catch up to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Definitely. All right. Take care. Charge on. All right. Charge on. I'm John Rice Plumley. Thanks for watching the Suns of UCF. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.